When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rod Papers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Yeah, time of year in the NFL for sure, and even in college football where rumors become facts. Right, Rod? We just come off our What the Facts segment. What the Facts. Come on, Mike Tomlin. It's a fact he walked out of his press conference. Could that become a fact that he is going to move away from the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers? Well, this is now a fact according to Adam Schefter this morning, Rod. Six-time All-Pro and future Hall of Fame center Jason Kelsey told his Eagles teammates Monday night in the postgame locker room that he is indeed uh, retiring wow. at 36 yeah. years old. And that's uh, see, that's a concern, too. I mean, he may – essentially, he's why the, the tush push, the brotherly shove, works so well. He's a big, big reason why. I mean, obviously having a quarterback that is a former power lifter <laughs> who's got, you know, legs that strong, that helps, too. Uh, but he's one of the best centers in the league, a Hall of Fame center. 100%. So, yeah, from then, uh, you know, after the, the winning his second Super Bowl last year, or being in the second Super Bowl, winning one but before, you know, he'll be, a, so for a lot of people, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. Coming up uh, five years from if he does retire. Uh, it says he's considered retiring after other recent seasons, but this time he said it's real. Obviously, he and his brother Travis have started that uh, podcast that they do, the Tyler Successful. He does look like a guy who could have a career in TV. Or you know, analyst yep. role somewhere. He's got more but, important uh, things to do. Talk about Taylor Swift all day. Well, there's Ty. He doesn't actually. I don't know. I've, I've seen their podcast. <laughs> they don't talk about Taylor Swift that much, but um, they talk a lot. It's actually talk about a lot of football. Not a ball. I watch it. I mean, they talk about games and situations. And but that's not the ties right. The clips they come out are usually talking about. Oh yeah, that's what you like end that. up seeing. But that's what. Yeah, but that's what they want out there. They're trying to sure. grow the audience. They that's know what, football people are going to check it out every now and then. Yeah. No. Uh, and it's two brothers, so it's got some chemistry to it. They've, you know, been arguing with each other their whole lives. So, uh, yeah, for sure. And uh, so that's that's now a fact, according to Adam Schefter, that he's you know he's telling his teammates. And Howie Roseman, the uh, general manager and president of the Eagles, you know, he was it was it was a kind of an emotional scene because he he specifically you know went to every player and hugged them and said thanks. And who knows? I mean, there could be a lot of change coming to Philadelphia. And who would have thought that oh, when I they were ten and one back in November? Definitely happening. I think it's definitely going to be some change. I, I just don't know how drastic. It could just be overhaul of all the coaches, keep Sirianni there as a figurehead, or they could – you know, Harry Roseman, man, he has no fear about making a, making a huge be, drastic be, uh, change. He is, yeah. They, they don't – they don't want uh, – they're not wishy-washy. Let's say that no, that way, no. right? They're very yeah. definitive on what they do. Yep. And um, that's clearly something – I think Sirianni's lost the fan base as well from a lot of the social media clips I've been seeing last night and oh, this really? morning. Yeah, a, a lot yeah. of fire Sirianni uh, okay. talk going out there. Yeah, I mean, again, this I wouldn't like, be shocked about that. It's one of those things. He was, you know, they were in the Super Bowl not even the calendar year ago, and played really well in that Super Bowl and looked like one of the more well coached teams in the league. It tells you how quickly chemistry can turn. Uh, lose both coordinators, which you know didn't appear to affect them for most of the year when they were ten and one. 
but obviously caught up with them. Uh, and then there's something. It was more than just schemes and X's and O's and players. I mean, was, there was there was chemistry issues there. Yeah, that didn't look like a team that wanted to be playing last night. Yeah, didn't didn't AJ Brown? He deleted like his Instagram, and he was in Atlantic yeah. City for the game. He wasn't even there. Well, he was hurt. I mean, he got hurt in the uh, the Week 17 game, and that was part of the issue is that, that they were out there in a game where they were losing. It was decided, and they still had starters on the field, and A.J. Brown got hurt. Uh, that was when Jalen Hurts hurt his finger. Um, and it's like, you, Aren't you usually there for your team, though, for a playoff game like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying there's nothing to that. I'm saying A.J. Brown wasn't going to play anyhow, but, no. yeah, it's ugly. I mean, it's, it feels like the team has you know, revolted against their coach. Um, oh, yeah. he's He lost the locker room. I just don't know – what the reason was. Yeah, that's the, that, that's like going to be the question. What happened? Was it him or was it something outside of his control? Was something it, he did? Yeah, or something just his, he said. His, his, his methods? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and those are going to be the, the answers that will come at and some point. And how did it go from being – was it just a coordinator? That's the reason it was successful last year and going to the Super Bowl. And this year, you know, you haven't been successful. We talked about what's going on on the field and the scheme. There's an issue with the scheme. It's too simple. They don't have fail steps built in for the blitz. Uh, Jalen Hurts hasn't been – he hasn't developed and hasn't been taught how to beat the blitz. Uh, so zero coverage. Blitzing works really well against them. They didn't even – they weren't even ready for Todd Bowles, who has a, always been a blitz-happy <laughs> defensive yeah. mind. And they should have been able to, in my opinion, anticipate, hey, he's a blitz-happy guy. We're bad versus the blitz. That's self-scouting. Hey, they're going to run a lot of blitz. Let's have – Fail safes built in, hot routes, ready for the blitz, screens, ready for the blitz. They didn't do that. They kind of went in with their same game plan and expected it to work. And what's the definition of insanity? Which they have been doing for the last seven weeks. <laughs> insanity. <laughs> same well, thing and, over and, and over again. And last night. I mean, you just watched last night's game. Uh, you, they kept bringing the same blitzes, and there's no adjustment. Like, <laughs> y'all, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> do something. Uh, uh, yeah, that's yeah. pretty silly. Uh, and then you got guys not, you know, trying to tackle and you know, just feeble effort uh, on the defensive side so of the ball. They're ready for the season to be over. I think with. so. And that's that's crazy to say. Well, and and you know, obviously the the storylines will be when did it go sour? You if you look at the calendar, it was December the third because on December the third they were ten and one. They had just beaten the Cowboys, the Chiefs, and the Bills in successive weekends. Yeah. And they were the best team in the league. Best team in the league. And they got rolled by the Forty ers they got rolled by San Francisco. San Francisco rolled in, and that was – remember the guy, the coach on the sidelines got in a fight with the player, the mm-hmm. you know, Greenlaw from the 49ers? Yeah. That's I – mean, Big Dom. That, well, Big Dom, yeah. Big Dom. Yeah, that's what they're that's missing. When things yeah. went south. They won one game from that point on, and that was oh. a, a, a hard-fought win over the Giants. Did they remove him from the sideline? He was maybe banned. Maybe that was it. Maybe – oh, he, maybe he was the mojo. I don't know. Ooh, but all those questions will be answered. But they, they won one game from that point on, from December the 10th through last night. And it was a seven-point hard-fought win at home over the Giants and Tommy DeVito. And they had to to struggle to get to that win. And so they collapsed. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And like an Alka-Seltzer tablet in the water, just (laughs) dissolving. Uh, From 10-1 and to last night's lame performance, that's your Eagles. And the Cowboys have, uh, you know, different conversations, but similar in that the Cowboys was not not a slow dissolve. It was – all in one three-hour yeah. period where they went from feeling really good about where they were and where they were headed yeah. to see you. At least yeah. the, with the Cowboys, you can identify those problems a lot easier than the Eagles. I think the Eagles, yeah, a lot more is behind the scenes. Don't really know what's going on. We, we know that, what's, going, what's wrong with the Cowboys. At least I feel point, like I, I do. 
I agree with Ty there, but I, I trust the Eagles organization because I trust Howard Roseman as a football theorist, and I trust him as a problem solver to go and kind of figure out what the issues were, even if he's just got to fire the coach, which he's done before to a Doug Peterson who had won a Super Bowl. Uh, so I, I, that's what I trust with Jerry Jones and the company. The, the, the problems they do have, which, you know, I agree, the, the Eagles seem to have more of those. I don't know who's, who's doing a deep dive to try to figure out what their issues are. Well, and I would also say this, to Ty's point and your agreement, it's one thing to identify a problem. What is the solution to it? Yeah. What's the answer to it? Got to come up with solutions. I mean, what's your solution to Dak Prescott? Dak Prescott in three successive Januaries has come up tremendously small. It was make let, let Mike McCarthy call the plays and changing the offense to make it extremely Dak friendly. You that did that. didn't work. <laughs> well, it did. You, you see the second team all pro, but it didn't work when it mattered most. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's so why you did it. You can say it didn't work. <laughs> that's right. Because that's nothing. I, I don't I hate it from where the Cowboys are, and that's credit to Mike McCarthy that he's built the – the, the team into a, to a consistent winner in the regular season. But, you know, they fired Kellen Moore not because of the regular season. They fired Kellen Moore because of January. Yeah, they did. And here we are back in January, and Dak was bad. Um, you know, so, I mean, that's against a defense that wasn't great, Rod. Let's also put that out there. The Packers' defense is not great. No. They were really susceptible <laughs> to inside-breaking routes yes. at the second level, in between the numbers, slant routes. I thought, I thought the Cowboys were going to eat them alive in the yes, passing this game. wasn't the 49ers you are playing. Yeah. Uh, Packers were seen as, you know, a lot of people thought the Cowboys would put the game in the 30s, and, well, they did score 32 points, but they gave up 48. Yeah, no, uh, I, agree, I agree with that. So that's, to, to Ty's point, I think it's, it's, yeah, you can identify the Cowboys' problems. How do you fix them? How do you fix them? Uh, th- th- it feels like, to me, the Eagles, once you identify what the problem is, I think it's fixable. If, if the problem is Nick Sirianni, okay, fire him. Fire and him. bring in a new coach. Yep. Go after Bill Belichick. Go it's after somebody. There's still, even with Jason Kelsey retiring, there's still a lot of good players on that team. And, you know, I, I'm not saying it's, it's, it, it's just snap your fingers, but I, I just guess the Cowboys have a, have a lot of problems. They, they have some good ones and good issues and that they've got a lot of talent. But the salary cap is going to be a real problem for the Cowboys this offseason. I, I think you identified the problem 25 years ago. It's it's Jerry Jones, and the the solution is him ceding power, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, so, so I don't yeah. know where to go forward from there. That's why I think I'm, I'm getting close to not being a Cowboys fan anymore. It's hey, you know what? I think I who we Ty, who will you root for if you're not going to? I mean, you can't root for the Cowboys now because the they're done. But you're the, on the Ravens. The Ravens okay, have why? always been my second favorite team. I loved Ray Lewis. Lamar? No, Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis. Oh, Ed all the way back to Ray. Yeah. I, I, Ray, Ray Lewis. Even Joe Flacco. Always been a big Joe Flacco guy. Joe Flacco. I think, you know, we have the Texans to root for, Rod, because we're Texans fans. Amen. I You know, I root for Detroit, though. I'm rooting for Detroit now. I, I, you know I know I you're on the Detroit. Niners because of your bias. I, I root for Detroit, too, though. I like Detroit. You played but, Detroit. Yeah, but uh, if they play the Niners, then, yeah, we're going to pick the Niners. Baker Mayfield? Yeah. Could be rooting for Baker Baker if you're a Lake Travis guy yeah. and uh, Oklahoma no, fan. So there's a lot of cool storylines. Packer fans are across the country. They're on the bandwagon. But, man, Detroit, it's hard not to get behind what Dan Campbell's done there. He's done a great job. I mean, when you resurrect a, you know, a feudal organization, right? You played there. You know that it's uh... – Oh, man, you're talking about ineptitude, <laughs> dysfunction. I mean, at the highest levels, you guys just talking about Jerry Jones. I mean, that was a lot of that talk in Detroit with the dysfunction of the Ford family and how, hey, yeah, just because you're great in the car business doesn't mean how do you make football decisions because you haven't done a great job of it. Oh, man, I remember that stuff. Yes. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, they've done a great they, – but they hired a GM. Great GM. They had him a good GM and just kind of let him do his thing. And, uh, he's, and you heard uh, Dan, huge dividends for him. And you heard Dan Campbell in the locker room after the big win over the Rams on Saturday, Sunday night, saying, look, I mean, he gave a game ball to the general manager mm-hmm. and said, you know, this guy and I came in together. We were aligned. We exactly had the same right. vision. 
And here we are. And um, they've had three great off seasons, you know, acquiring players, draft, and you know the Stayed trade for Jared Goff. Uh, they've been in alignment with what they want. It's what, what Ty just said. We, you know, everyone identified the Jerry Jones problem long ago. You know, your coach needs to be aligned with his general manager and mm-hmm. a football guy. And uh, that's it. you know, we'll just look around the league. I mean, that's and, and that's where you wonder with the Eagles. Has the, has, is this Nick Sirianni? Is Nick Sirianni? Is there something going on behind the scenes? Is there something personally with him? That has just led to, and I wonder, like like Tasha, is it his style? He does have a very abrasive style. Oh, it's very emotional. It's very. You know, I've like said for a long time, yeah. he, you know, he's winning, but he's got the most punchable face in football, right? Yeah, he's exactly. <laughs> so I wonder if a lot of people around is like, man, I would like to punch that dude too. So maybe he's he's kind of you know just worked uh, himself into a situation there where he's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And it, it's happening in a really quick time period, and he doesn't have the wins now, or at least after this downward spiral, doesn't have the wins to back up people justifying dealing with his disposition or his abrasive well, behavior. Maybe the coordinators that were there, well, you know, there was a buffer between you know the, the true, offense too. and defense and the head coach. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we'll all – Somebody's know. got to investigate it, though, because it's, well, it's look, dire. And then right about um, – you know, that, that December the 3rd, 49ers loss is when right after that they, they demoted the defensive coordinator, added, mm-hmm. you know, moved, elevated Matt Patricia. There's a lot of soap opera there for sure. And Dallas, again, it was all was good. All and then they good. ran into the Packers and weren't ready to play. Yep. Uh, let's get to the other top stories, though. Headlines to start your Tuesday morning. And, uh, and then Rod will have his first rant of this Tuesday. Starting the NFL, yeah, two more games yesterday to wrap up Super Wild Card Weekend. In Buffalo, the Bills rolled past Pittsburgh, 31-17. Josh Allen was tremendous in that win. He threw three touchdown passes, added a spectacular 52-yard touchdown run. Uh, They, of course, had to play that game yesterday because of the blizzard on Sunday. But uh, they get it in, and the Bills roll on. Uh, And then in Tampa last night, the complete collapse of the Eagles, completed by the Buccaneers. They roll past the Birds, 32-9. Baker Mayfield, 337 and three touchdowns from the NFC South champs. So the divisional playoffs are set. It's on to the division round. 18 left, four games on tap this weekend, two each day. On Saturday afternoon, 3.30, the Texans will travel to Baltimore to face the top-seeded Ravens, who come off the bye week. Then the Bills, Buffalo, will host the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday evening. That'll be the last game of uh, divisional weekend. In between, it'll be the top-seeded 49ers hosting Green Bay on Saturday night and uh, Sunday afternoon. In Motown, Detroit will host Tampa Bay. And also in the NFL, Atlanta Falcons confirmed yesterday that they have completed a formal interview with Bill Belichick for their vacant head coaching job. No deal imminent, but according to Tom Pelissaro of NFL Network, there is mutual interest. Very busy holiday weekend for the Texas football program. Uh, if you missed it over the weekend, Steve Sarkeesian gets a new four-year contract extension added to his current deal, so he's now under contract through 2030. Also over the weekend, 18 of the 23 Longhorn players in their 2024 recruiting class arrived ahead of classes starting this week. They also program added four transfer portal additions who came on campus. Uh, Alabama wide receiver Isaiah Bond, former Houston wide receiver Matthew Golden, former UTSA edge rusher Trey Moore, and the former Clemson defensive back and LBJ Jaguar Andrew Makuba. And as we told you a little bit ago, Longhorn's not done looking to add to their roster through the transfer portal. We'll keep you posted on that. Busy MLK Day in the NBA yesterday. Across the board day and night. Uh, Texas Trio went one for three on the day. Only the Mavericks able to post a win. They topped New Orleans 125-120 behind 42 from Kyrie Irving. Rockets and Spurs both went down. Horror headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. Topgun.net. We'll shoot you straight. You know, it's interesting, and you know, we talked about this even with Texas and Washington. When you get to the highest level of competition in your respective sport, especially when you're talking about postseason play, 
whatever weakness you have is going to be exposed, right? Look at the Cowboys. Cowboys on defense, biggest weakness was their run defense. Couldn't necessarily stop the run all year long. Um, Injuries at the linebacker position and what was exposed in that game versus the Green Bay Packers. Play at the the linebacker play, bad eye uh, discipline with the linebackers, uh, their inability to adjust to motion. Cowboys were really bad all year at defending uh, motion. Um, And obviously against Green Bay, a Shanahan offense, a mixed Shanahan offense, you have a ton of motion. Aaron Jones ran wild. It was their rush defense that allowed the, the Packers to stay balanced, right? Because the, the Packers needed that. That balance kept the Cowboys' pass rush. It, it kept them on their heels. And that's why Michael Parsons only had one pressure in that game. Well, we just watched the Tampa Bay Bucks dial up blitz after blitz against the Eagles. The Eagles haven't been able to solve and beat the blitz all season long. It's all it's come back to haunt them. Even last year they had issues with it. But last year at least they were executing at a higher level. And what did Todd Bowles do? Man, just blitz the hell out of them. Couldn't yep. figure out the blitz. And their pass defense, which has struggled all season long. We talked this why they uh, acquired Kevin Byard. And even with all the, cor- the, uh, the bringing back the same group of DBs, they benched Bradbury, I believe, last night. In that Jonathan game. Bradbury, yeah. Uh, for Keely Ringo, their pass defense came back to haunt them. When you're going to play at the elite levels, whatever your big issue is, think, look at the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns defense was really good. But go look at the disparity. I'll find the number here for you, the disparity between their defense at home and on the road. It was the biggest disparity, I think, in like in NFL history <laughs> uh, between uh, a defense, a scoring defense on the road and at home. And I'll find a number for you, but it came back to hunt them. On the road, that defense just was not as formidable as it was at home. They never figured it out, came back to hunt them again. Whatever is your fatal flaw, your Shakespearean flaw as a team, when you get to the highest level of postseason play, it, it will come back to haunt you. It did for Texas versus Washington. It did for Washington versus Michigan. Whatever it is, you, you, you're going to have to face it. Yeah. That's the whole point. You're going to have to face it in the postseason. And if you can face it and solve it and figure it out, then you know, you've got a better chance of winning that game. If you don't, that's going to probably be the reason you lose the game. Well, it's also equal on the other side. If you're the Cowboys and – it's not like the Packers are a perfect team. No, they got why issues didn't you, too. Why didn't you yeah. attack their flaws? Yeah, uh, which goes to the, their no defense isn't very good. Yet you were able, they were able to shut you down and you know blank you for most of the first half and build a twenty-seven to nothing lead. Uh, how does that happen? That seems like uh, being out coached and, and pantsed pretty bad no, on you. both sides of the ball because they exposed your weaknesses. You didn't expose theirs. Totally um, agree with that. Yep, uh, there's no doubt. That's how, you know what? That seems to be happening a lot in these playoffs. Coaching disparity. Yeah, right. You getting lopsided games with great game plans by we've some of these coaches. We've gotten one good game, Rod. Yeah, exactly. We've gotten well, through through the first six games. We've gotten yeah. one good game, and it was the the Rams Lions. A real a real chess match, right? Yeah, which Between, was really good coaching on both sides, and it yep. came down to you know Rams had to kick three field goals and couldn't score touchdowns in the red zone, and the Lions did. That's I mean, really what it came down to. Yeah. And the other four game, the other five games were terrible. Exactly. It seemed like you just seen, you know, teams who have and I, the, I mean, the Steelers. Let's just be honest, Steelers. I'm not saying the Steelers were a fraud. Well, once the Bills the went Steelers up twenty-one nothing, it was the like Steelers, okay. They, the Steelers, yeah, exactly. They just, the Steelers couldn't play the brand of football needed to beat Buffalo and especially come back against Buffalo well, when you're down well, double digits. Uh, just real quick, the instant stat that I, I referenced that I give the Browns finished the season allowing only uh, thirteen point nine points per game at home compared to 31.3 points per game on the road. Yeah. That's 17.4 differential, largest of any team since the 1982 Bills. Cleveland went 8-1 at home, 3-6 and six on the road. Whatever is your issue, whatever flaw you have, will come back to hunt you. The Eagles, come on, man. 
That team was spiraling. They couldn't. Their defense uh, couldn't figure out a way to, uh, to defend the pass all season long, and they didn't. They they didn't play inspired toward the end of the season. They didn't play like they wanted to be a a team that made a run in the playoffs, and we saw that too. A team that looked like they quit. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right about that. And, uh, yeah, the, the games have not been great. Wild card weekend was a lot of riffraff, Rod, a lot of riffraff. I mean, the games were uh, well in hand. I mean, yeah, I mean when, the, when the Steelers went up 21-0, I was like, yeah, there's no way. This, I mean, the, the Bills, there's no way they're coming back in this game. I turned game. it off. I was like, it's done. Oh, come on. But they made it interesting. They did. They, they got a block punt before the half. They gave yeah. them a little bit of mojo. Then they scored. But, you know, it felt like as, whenever the Bills wanted to turn it on, they, were, they could. And they did. <laughs> and they did. Yeah. And then last night it just didn't feel like the Eagles wanted to be there at all. Uh, and you know, so that game got one-sided. It didn't t- took till late because the Bucks kept leaving, hanging around. It was seventeen to nine. But yeah, the games have not been great. I mean, uh, the the Chiefs game on Monday on uh, Saturday night in the, in the freezing, not a great game. Uh, Dolphins were real lame. You know, Browns Texans was good for a half when it was twenty. You know, right before the half when the Texans hit the big shot and it was twenty four fourteen. You know, Browns came out with the ball, You're looking right to that. go down the field and score. Yeah. Maybe it's still a game in the third quarter, mm-hmm. but you know, back to back pick sixes and that game's turn it over or turn it off. So yeah, the games have not been great. I think that changes. I hope it changes into the weekend because divisional weekend's my favorite. I of, think it will of the uh, of the weekends because you know everybody loves championship Sunday and the Super Bowl. But championship Sunday, you only get one day of good football. Yeah. Saturday, I, Sunday, we get this weekend with two days of good. Well, football. I say I, I kind of like the wild card weekend where we got three days. Now you're right; there were bad games. Yeah. yeah. For the most part, they were blowouts. But I, don't know, I do like I Super Wild Card it. weekend where they add a third day. Yeah. And now this week that. we got double on a Monday. You got a game, and I know it's because of the weather thing. But you had a game. It was a game started like three. 3.30, 4 yeah. o'clock on a Monday. It felt weird, but it felt right. It felt right. It felt right. <laughs> it felt weird, but it felt right on a Monday. Yeah, it was MLK Day, so a lot of people there were off you and go. Uh, kicking there back. You and go. Well, you had a 3.30 game each day, and you had to wait all afternoon to get to the 3.30. Come on, let's get to this kickoff. Can we let's back this thing up? Let's get it going here, man. Let's get it rolling. Uh, but, yeah, so we had uh, doubleheaders each day. That'll be two days this weekend. And obviously, we're now looking to what uh, what's left. And the as we said with the Cowboys and Eagles, more questions and answers. It feels like uh, what's going to happen in Atlanta. Is Bill Belichick going to Atlanta? Would that be a good fit, by the way? Honestly, I, d- I got to go look at the GM situation. Do we trust the GM? Was it Fontenot? Is he the yeah, GM? Yeah, Fontenot and and Rich McKay is there. Uh, Rich McKay's. Been, yeah, you're you know, right. You talked about him, long time NFL guy. Yeah, won a Super Bowl in Tampa. You know, his family, his father's John McKay. You know, he's a longtime NFL executive, okay. so he brings some some gravity he, to him. He needs he needs support around him. That's why you know the thought of him. Some people are bringing up the thought of him going to Philadelphia, and I think that will be amazing because I think he needs a quarterback, and I think he needs a GM to hire his offensive coordinator for him and somebody to help him with personnel. If 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 he can just be left to do defense and culture, I'm all about it. Let Belichick do his thing, but I don't want him doing the coaching hires. I want him having input on them. But I don't want him just making the coaching hires by himself. I think he needs – and he needs checks and balances. That's why he's just going back to the Belichick coaching tree. We're also watching nope. Jim Harbaugh, who reportedly is uh, interviewing with the L.A. Chargers this week. Um, of course, J.J. McCarthy, his quarterback in Michigan, is uh, is into the NFL draft, which seems yeah. puzzling. I don't see Do we him. like him uh, to be a first-round pick? No. Okay. No. All right, I was just making sure. That's what. Yeah, I don't. I, that's where when I saw JJ McCarthy, because look, JJ McCarthy at times last year looked really good. Uh, I called him kind of a baby Joe Burrow, the way he could run in the pocket and move and buy time and make good throws. But I didn't think he was very good this year. And they now they won the national championship. They won every game, and yeah. he made some big throws, big big runs when they needed him to. But I just didn't. You know, that TCU game last year, we had the pick sixes, two of them. Uh, but he does not look like in this class as a first or even high second round pick. I'm with you. He's smallish. Yeah. 
Um, but so does he know something with Jim Harbaugh? As you know, because I'm, you know, uh, does he know it's going to be a new coach? And instead of transferring, he's going to put his name in the draft. I don't know. Harbaugh drafted him in the late round or something like that. I don't know. I, I I don't see JJ McCarthy. We could be wrong when we get to April, but I don't. And this is a quarterback desperate league. Um, but you know, how much more impactful of their offense was he than Stetson Bennett was for the Georgia Bulldogs? I, Stetson Bennett was more impactful. <laughs> yeah. I saw him make more was. elite throws. Yeah, no, he definitely was. Big time throws, <laughs> yeah, not elite but throws, yeah. but big time throws. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I, and that that's because remember, if you're a Longhorn fan, you know you play Michigan in, in Ann Arbor September 9th yeah, or seventh. You're happy about that news. So and if Harbaugh's happy. leaving, McCarthy's knows it and is going to bolt to draft. They'll have like what 15 players drafted, something like that. I mean, a crazy I mean, number. I mean, again, fast forward to that. If if indeed. Um, <laughs> Uh, Jim Harbaugh leaves to go back to the NFL, which we've all assumed is, is likely. Mm-hmm. And now he's interviewing with the Chargers, which seemed like a really good place with jo- Justin Herbert already there and some pretty good players and an organization he played for, Rod. He played for the San Diego Chargers back in the day. Now they're in L.A. You know, that's going to start another whole round of yes, all the Michigan be. players into yeah. the portal for 30 days that they want to be. You know, who's the new coach? Oh, man. And they got a ton of talent up there at Michigan. I know. And, they're all, and look at what's happening in Alabama, man. All these guys are hitting the transfer portal. All these really good players well, in Alabama are hitting the transfer portal. Well, because they came to play for Nick Saban. They didn't come to play for well, I saw a video come out yesterday. I think it was from Alabama itself. But, you know, Kalen DeBoer was doing his first initial meeting with the Alabama team. Oh, yeah. And I'm just thinking, you imagine that. These guys, I mean, Nick Saban's the best. The GOAT. That's ever done it. The GOAT. And anytime you see Nick Saban in front of a – group of players mm. he's the best yeah, he's a goat his his ability to to punch I mean cut through it just no bs yep. just lead i mean gosh corporations hire him to come in and give corporate speeches and yeah. motivational speeches mm-hmm. and now you're walking in there and these same players are now meeting you i'm not saying he didn't do a good job i'm saying that's hard it is that is a hard it's one thing to, to fill the shoes of the expectation but to get in front of those young guys and be like hey Look at me. I'm here. <laughs> I mean, he's got to do yeah. it. I'm not saying he's just, just do it. But, man, you know you're replacing the best that's ever done it. The GOAT. Yeah, it's tough. I agree. And, and, and those players are kind of waiting to hear what you have to say. Let's hear how you do this because we know what Coach Saban was about. And we know Coach Saban was the truth. Yeah. No, it's a, it, he that's just, a hard job. And he just hired his uh, defensive coordinator, too. He I did from good, South Alabama, who was with him at Indiana. Yeah, that was Which, good by hire. the way, there are, are early reports that South Alabama may hire Major Applewhite to be their new head coach. Really? Yeah, that's out there. So, yeah. Kane K- Womack is his name. The, yeah, uh, Kalen DeBoer Kane brought Womack. his brought his offensive coordinator with him from Washington. Mm-hmm. Ryan, Ryan Grubb. Ryan Grubb. And it uh, looks like he's going to bring most of his staff. He brought, yeah, he brought the O-line coach, and he brought everybody. Yeah, they just won the Joe Moore Award. Yeah. So offensive staff should be good. And then, yeah, Kane Womack. Yeah, but he, who, and they kept the D-line coach, I believe, Freddie Roach. Freddie Roach he's at Alabama. Yeah. Because Texas is still looking for a D-line coach, by yeah, the way. They were trying to get Freddie Roach. But Kane <laughs> Womack from South Alabama, who was with Kalen DeBoer at Indiana. Yep. Uh, with Tom Allen, and they had a 12th-rated defense in the country at Indiana. Really good defense. So Kane Womack come in. But, yeah, the early indications are that maybe Major Applewhite, who's the offensive coordinator at South Alabama, could be elevated to the head coach mm-hmm. with all that. the changes there with the Jaguars program. So we'll keep an eye on Major Applewhite. I like hey, that. Good stuff right there. We'll take your thoughts. Bill Belichick, good fit in Atlanta. L.A. Chargers, good fit for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, what happens in Michigan? Man, there's a lot still percolating here in mid-January. Uh, we'll come back. Rod will have his first rant of a Tuesday. Uh, dive straight in. Rod's got it coming next, plus some bullish or BS for the end of our second hour of our five-hour conversation on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite 
and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's get to a couple of nuggets here about the uh, the game last night. I don't want to talk about Baker Mayfield because I think his story uh, this season has been just uh, nothing short of extraordinary. Uh, we were talking about the games and how the wild card weekend has been uh, un- uh, underwhelming. Uh, it just haven't been competitive games. You only had one game that really was uh, competitive and not a blowout, um, and that was the uh, the Rams and the Lions. But if you look at the season, sometimes the season can foreshadow what's going to happen in the postseason. Uh, If you look at the largest margin of victory in games between teams with a win percentage of 60% or better, so we're looking at good teams playing, or good teams who have won 60% of their games or better, and and this goes all the way back to 1978. So you're talking about 46 seasons worth of sample size. Uh, 2023 season had was the third largest margin of victory in games decided uh, between good teams, teams who won at least 60% of their games. You had a 13.8 margin of victory between good teams. Um, that's only behind 1993 when it was 14 and 2014 when it was 15.4. So you go look, and 10 of those games were decided by 14-plus points, like more than two touchdowns. So half of the games between good teams this season were decided by – more than two touchdowns and the average margin of victory between uh, good teams facing off this season uh, was 13.4, sorry, uh, 13.8 points. So it, it did kind of foreshadow that this season when, for whatever reason, like as a football investigator, I got to try to football theorists to go try to figure out why. But when you've had good teams facing off teams that are winning a lot of games, uh, they end up being blowouts. I thought during the regular season the best explanation would be the quarterbacks. You've had so much quarterback turnover. You've had so many quarterback injuries. And maybe that's a reason why, because of the quarterbacks. But in the postseason, I don't know if that necessarily applies. So it could just be a coaching disparity. Coaching disparity plus quarterback turnover, I think, is why you got that during the regular season. And if you look at wire-to-wire playoff wins, this is when basically a team has to lead the entire uh, game in the playoffs. In 2023 uh, already, you've had five (laughs) wire-to-wire. Uh, basically wire-to-wire playoff wins. Uh, in 2022, you had six the entire postseason. We still got the divisional round left. We still got the championship round left and the Super Bowl. You had six the entire postseason of 2022 and 2021. You had eight in 2020. I believe that you'll surpass eight at this season potentially. And that's not a good thing for the NFL. The NFL wouldn't, wouldn't like that. They would like lead, you know, Changes to go back and forth between both teams to show a competitive game. Um, but, yeah, for some reason, you have had the blowouts, as he mentioned. Um, so there's some stats to kind of back up the the trend. It was a trend from the regular season. Not a shock that it's carrying over into the postseason. There you go. Um, all right, let's talk about Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield is an extraordinary story, and he should win Comeback Player of the Year. I don't know if he will. I'm not sure even when those awards are coming out. We haven't even got NFL honors. NFL honors. Is he going to do a show? Yeah, they do that uh... – I'm going to assume it's the it used to be the Saturday before the Super Bowl, but I think they've changed it to where it's like the Thursday night before the Super Bowl, and they do it like the okay. Emmy Awards or yeah. whatever, and big red carpet thing, and they yeah. hand out all their awards. Yeah. I believe that's how they do it now. Okay, well, NFL honors. All right, well, so we got to wait a little while to find uh, to find out who's going to win all these awards. Uh, but it seems like Baker Mayfield, as he mentioned, he, he should be in the running or a front runner to be comeback player of the year. 
And I went back, first of all, a couple of uh, nice nuggets from his performance in this playoff win. And he's got two playoff wins. Cowboys fans, that should make you feel a certain kind of way because, yes, he's got the same number of playoff wins as Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts, by the way. <laughs> um, he got more than Deshaun Watson, so that's karma. But uh, Baker Mayfield had his, uh, has the first 300-yard, three-touchdown playoff game in Bucks passing history. Um, Brady had the top five playoff games in passing yards before tonight. Mayfield's 337 uh, yards that he had in that playoff game ranked third. And it basically it's him and Brady kind of littered all throughout that thing. <laughs> uh, the record books for the uh, the Bucks, And it, that's amazing that he's already, uh, based on this season, he's already in some of the kind of rarefied air Bucks quarterback. They don't have a really the, a lengthy uh, <laughs> storied history of quarterbacks. But still, Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff, they join Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Brett Favre and Alex Smith as quarterbacks to start in division round for two franchises in the past 20 seasons. That's rare, right? Starting for different franchises. You don't see that in the playoffs. Um, so give Baker Mayfield some credit there. That's really tough for a young QB. Dude, and he's only been playing six seasons. Feels like Baker Mayfield's been in the league a long time. And it only feels like he's been in the league a long time is because he's been with uh, multiple teams already, and he's had so many head coaches. How about this stat for Baker Mayfield? I think it's a credit to him. He's had the most – uh, head coaches for any quarterback in NFL history in his first six seasons. No quarterback has had more head coaches than Baker Mayfield has had in his first six seasons. If you include interims, he's had eight of them in six seasons. Freddie Kitchens, Hugh Jackson, Kevin Stefanski, uh, Matt Rule, Sean McVay, Todd Bowles, Steve Wilkes, and Greg Williams. All all head coaches that Baker Mayfield's had to deal with, guys. That's a lot of turnover. That's a lot of messaging, changing up. There's a lot of different terminology, a lot of different uh, ways that they want to uh, cultivate the culture. Uh, that's just, I mean, I, ways to motivate. That is a lot for a young QB to deal with. And when you go look at the offensive coordinators, a lot of these guys are their the head coaches are their own play callers, uh, like Stefanski, like a Sean McVay. But if you include the play callers and offensive coordinators. In that, too, that's nine play callers and offensive coordinators he's had in his first six seasons <laughs> in the NFL. I think that would – honestly, I, I think that would hurt and affect anybody's development, growth, evolution as a QB. And so I'm not saying that, you know, we see not Baker Mayfield's going to turn to a franchise quarterback all of a sudden, but it is interesting that he's gone this uh, circuitous route. And we're seeing this more and more, right, in the NFL. Jared Goff. I mean, look at Jared Goff now with the Lions. Now they, he went from being a bridge quarterback for them, um, a bust at one point in his career, to being resuscitated to be a Super Bowl quarterback and then thrown in a trash heap in a trade. And now he went from being a bridge quarterback to being a franchise quarterback. That's a, <laughs> that, is a, that, is, that is a road less traveled for a QB. Even look at what Geno Smith did with the Seattle Seahawks. You're seeing more of that now because I think you have more quarterback gurus and quarterback nurturers in the NFL who know how to resuscitate a quarterback skill set because it may not be the skill set that was the problem. That's why they were drafted high. It may have just been the psychology or the system or bad quarterback habits, different things. And they're able to, uh, you know, do a great job of developing these quarterbacks and building on their strengths and de-emphasizing uh, their weaknesses. But either way, uh, it's remarkable what he's done. 
potentially this year, but considering the background of what he's had to deal with, eight different head coaches, the most for any quarterback uh, in NFL history, that's that's a it's a pretty uh, astounding, remarkable feat for him to be playing at the level he's playing at right now. So congrats to Baker Mayfield. By the way, uh, they were Bucks were a hundred to one odds to uh, win the Super Bowl before the season started. I gave this stat earlier. I gave you this fact earlier. Uh, Tampa Bay, along with Houston, by the way, uh, they are the two teams who had a hundred to one odds or higher to win the Super Bowl before the season started, and they're now in the divisional round third time since 1978, since the wild card format uh, was implemented, that they've had two hundred to one or higher odds teams in the divisional round. So shout out to C.J. Stroud, of course, but also to Baker Mayfield, man. That's a that's a hell of a re- accomplishment. Well, I'd also say, you know, Baker seems like he's been in the league longer because you just went through all the coaches, and that's great stats. Circuitous, as you said. Well, his college career was circuitous, too. I mean, yeah, right. I mean for us, who what we do what we do, we've been talking about Baker Mayfield since he left Lake Travis and was a great player, and that's he true. walked on at Tech and got at odds in his family with Cliff Kingsbury. Um, then he had to walk on at Oklahoma where he had to fight the NCAA. Yep. To not sit out. Like the Baker and then, Mayfield rule. Yeah, the Baker Mayfield <laughs> rule. And then he went to, you know, went on to have a great career at Oklahoma. And but even that was was star-crossed and controversial. Remember planting the flag in Columbus. Uh, grabbing the crotch. The arrest in Arkansas. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, Baker Mayfield's only been in the NFL for six years, but he's been in our public conscience for the last 12? 11 or yeah, 12. It was like 11 or 12. Yeah, going back to Lake day. Travis. Yeah, good, maybe you're right. That's what it is. Good point, E. Yeah, I mean, it's just – yeah, it's only sixty, but yeah, I mean, he's been he's been a I don't say a rock star, but he's been a huge topic of ours. He was uh, a rock star. It's fair was. to say he was a rock star. I think he was. I mean, he went to the Heisman, Heisman finalist what like three different times or something yeah. like that. Uh, there's a rule. What? There's a rule nicknamed the Baker Mayfield rule. <laughs> Remember, and he got to Cleveland and he started go, going at it with like Colin Cowherd and like members of the media. Uh, he was a rock star for a while, and you know what? He had a precipitous fall from grace. And now he's reinventing himself. Yeah, that, that's a lot of props, man. And I think that's – I mean, you mentioned earlier that, uh, uh, um, you know, he should be the, the comeback player of the year. And that's my opinion. But I think my opinion is skewed because, you know, we've covered Baker for so long yeah. and, and he's come back. Uh, and I want to hear, so hear, hear, hear something. I, I sent you I, – we're going to play this. But, by the way, the NFL honors, I have the date. If you want to watch when they're going to hand out all okay. the NFL awards. Uh, it is in Vegas. Oh, Ahead of the Super Bowl, oh, of course, it Resorts is. World Theater in Las Vegas. It's going to be February the eighth at nine at eight p.m. Eastern. The thirteenth annual NFL Honors, hmm. so the Thursday night before the Super Bowl wow. in Vegas. But listen to this. So again, for folks listening on this on this Tuesday morning, coming off of the long weekend, listen to Baker Mayfield. He's he, look. He's always been bra- abrasive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just kind of ahead of I me. Mean, just he's one of those guys. You either you love him or you hate him, right? He's a polarizing guy, and a lot of Longhorn fans hated him because he went to Oklahoma, and then he was so good at Oklahoma, but he would kind of stick it in your face a little bit. Listen to him last night. This is with Lisa Salters after they just won a playoff game. Yeah, I think he should be comeback player of the year. Listen to how calm he sounds. Listen to some of the we don't have to play the whole thing, Ty, but listen to this how he just sounds like a different guy. Listen to Baker Mayfield. He's had eight coaches in six seasons. As you just documented. It's been three years since your last playoff win. Just what what is the weight been like? Um, we fought so hard to get to this point, to get a chance to be in the playoffs, and I'm so proud of this team tonight. The way we came out and started fast. Um, I'm just I'm so proud, and so we want to give ourselves a chance. And now we, we did just that. We can play better than we did tonight, but it's on to the next one. So we're on to Detroit. You've said that this is the most fun and most comfortable you've been in such a long time. Just 
What felt good tonight with this offense? Just the communication throughout the week. Everybody was on the same page, knew what we were going to do offensively, schematically, and uh, came out and attacked. Uh, obviously got to make a few more plays overall on offense, but uh, we, we made more than enough to win tonight. And it wasn't just Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. It was Trey Palmer, David Moore, yeah. Kate Otten. Just what does that say about this group? It's huge for us, to, for our younger guys to step up like that, that you know, a lot of teams are going to try and double cover Mike and Chris. And so for those guys to step up and make huge plays for us tonight is big time. So looking to capitalize that and, and learn and grow from it. And as you watched right, your there defense shut uh, down. I agree with you. That's Isn't maturity that, there. Yeah, you know, I, That so wasn't I, there when he first got to the league. Yeah, yeah, I watched that last night. I watched it in real time. Thank you, Ty, for having that. I was like, Baker's grown up. He's fun because you know, many times did we watch Baker, and he was it was tough for us here in Austin because he's from Austin, went to Oklahoma. But I always kind of had a I knew people that knew Baker real well, and, and they spoke well of him. It's like you want to root for him, but then he does things. You're like, come on, Baker, uh, come on, man, come on, uh, grow up, grow up, just grow up, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Uh, and he, he's all grown up now. Yeah, he's also expecting his first child. I bet that has something to do with yeah. him and his wife. So that, that always also changes your mindset, as you for know. For sure, 100%. Um, yeah, but I agree with you. And it's, you know, good for him. Good for Baker. Uh, and I know still a lot of people out there will always hate Baker Mayfield because he's a sooner. Of course. yeah. And all the stuff. But, man, I'm happy for him. It seems like he's grown up. And you know what? Look, Tampa Bay is probably going to sign him to a contract. It might be one of those Jared Goff, Geno Smith bridge contracts. Yeah. But they're not letting that guy get away because no. he's played too well. Yep. And they he don't want you a playoff game. Yeah, you want a playoff game. Yeah, but now he's not <laughs> going to. Hard to do. Gonna, you know, but guess what? Dak Prescott's about to get extended and be maybe the highest paid quarterback in the league. Mm -hmm. And what's he doing? Nothing. <laughs> We're coming up small again. Yeah, that's a, yeah nothing really. Uh, so I'm with you. I, I think Good they will sign him. They sign him to a deal. And they, I, I've always been a fan of Baker. People know that. Uh, they give me, you know, grief for it. But he's he, he, my my favorite sooner. And I know that's weird to say. It's like saying you got a favorite serial killer. But uh, yeah, he know. is my favorite sooner. I think he's my favorite sooner to watch. I'll say that. Yeah, and he's uh, well, Jalen Hurts would be in that conversation too. But uh, he didn't have a good. But night he wasn't that. He wasn't there for long. Like, Baker Mayfield was there for. He was, I think he was three in like three years. Three, years, four three years. Heisman yeah. finalists. Yeah. Like. Come yeah. on, man. He's no. there forever. So good for him. Uh, good for Baker. And he's played really well. He's played, played really, really well. well. Yeah. Uh, so props to him for, for finding the maturity, growing up, and uh, he's going to get himself another contract. And, and at least for now, he's be the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers moving forward, not just a, like a stopgap. He's going to actually be their quarterback. But think about that division. I mean, whoever's got a quarterback in that division is going to win it. Yeah, well, pretty we'll, much. We'll, we'll give you some <laughs> bullish or BS on that coming up. Here it is. Less Baker Mayfield talk, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, well he just won a playoff game last night. What do you, yeah, what well, do you well, no, I, I think it's he's playing along with oh, us. Oh yeah, but, like, come but on. Yes, this says, uh, guys. What do you think about the uh, Super Bowl permanently being in Vegas? Don't like it. I like the Super Bowl moving around, Rod. Yeah, it's good for the NFL. Uh, but I have argued bullish on the NFL draft permanently being in Vegas. That's what I believe. They want to move that around too. For them, basically, yeah. that that turns into almost a a festival of sorts, a football festival of sorts. I mean, they're getting half a million people in the streets in Nashville for that thing. They're oh, getting know. you know a quarter of a million people. They're getting numbers that will rival you know ACL Fest no, <laughs> and some a, of the big music festivals around the country. So why would you just have it in Vegas when you basically can take it on tour around the cause, country? Because because I can go to Vegas. And I don't yeah, want to go to, to, go to anyway. Kansas City. You're going to Vegas anyway for the, for the, for the Raiders. Well, I, I, you're going to go to Vegas I for was, the Raiders, and they're going to have the draft there again. You'll go, you go for other reasons and stuff like that. But I'm I just, just having I, been there when they had it there, that would be, it was perfect. Permanently, people. I don't know. Permanently, I don't like it. I have it there again, but not permanently. They should move everything around. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm for that being permanent. I like them moving the combine around. That's kind of cool. 
and then moving the Super Bowl around, but that's just personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, uh, all right. So Baker Mayfield, all the way full circle, and uh, he will lead the Buccaneers into Detroit. This weekend, as you just heard with Lisa Salters, they'll play the Lions. That will be the first game on Sunday, the middle of the afternoon game on Sunday, Rod. What a game that'll be. Baker Mayfield back Jared Goff, another former first-round pick, of course. He's gone through the car wash, too, yeah. of, uh, of uh, reinvention. You know, rebuilt, reinvention. <laughs> number one overall picks, though. Yeah, yeah, both of them, number one overall picks. And um, I, I'll say this for Baker to wrap that up. I do think it was, uh, you know, too much too quick for him, right? Because Baker's always been the chip on the shoulder, got to prove it guy. Because uh, he was a walk-on twice, right? And then he still achieved and went to you know, won a Heisman Trophy. And he, then he was the first pick, which is kind of getting over when people said he was too small. Uh, and he ends up as the number one pick. And I just think he was out to prove something to some for folks. And he, he was always in the headlines, too many commercials, too much hype, too much, you know, the argument with the, the – uh, the situation with Odell Beckham Jr. when he was in Cleveland was just a mess. Uh, so it's like, you know, he's finally grown up and just he's just playing football. And we always – if you ever watch Baker Mayfield just play football, he's a good football player. He's a good football player. But so all the other stuff. Number one overall. Yeah. First all, walk on to ever be drafted number one overall. Now, now it's, you know, get rid of all the other stuff and just play ball. Yeah. Just play football. And that's what it feels like Baker's doing. Well, I think he, he, he was a guy that used, you know, a lot of the, the doubt and he used a lot of the criticism as motivational currency. And he was brilliant at turning, you know, the, the, the negative narrative against him or the circumstance against him into that motivational currency, the chip on the shoulders you talked about. But he would spend it on the football field, and then you would see it materialize on the football field because he would make these spectacular plays that turned him into, you know, a Heisman finalist. But in the, when he got to the NFL, he mistakenly started spending the motivational currency with the media yeah. and, on, and with his own teammates. And that's and, and usually, like I said, that friction, that, uh, that angst that he, you know, he used as, you know, as fuel, it was something that he used on the field against opponents. And then he started to use it against the media. He started to use it against his own teammates. And that's when it became toxic. And that's when the world started to close in on him. And then it even affected his play because he couldn't figure out psychologically, well, why does the media hate me and my teammates not follow me? When I was in college, my teammates, they would, they would, they would go to war for me. <laughs> they weren't, you know, they would, they would fight, they would fight, you know, claw tooth and nail for me. And the media loved me because I was a media darling. But I think he realized, like, oh, it's because they, were, I wasn't against them, I wasn't opposed to the media, and I wasn't. Remember, he, he said that comment about I forget what running back it was who was in a contract dispute with the Cleveland Browns. And he actually made a comment about the contract dispute. You don't talk about another man's money. Yeah, and it was you like, do Baker, that. you don't do that, man. You say, hey, man, we'd love to have him back. Hey, right now we're working That's with the business. guys we got, whatever it is, because you're going to be in that situation too. So he started to get at odds with his own teammates and with the, his own coaching. Oh, yeah, they want Remember, him out of Cleveland. He's, he's making, he's making taking shots at his own coaching staff. So he, went, he got into it with his coaching staff, with his own teammates, and with the media. So he started to wonder, why is nobody on my side? Well, Baker, you're getting into it with everybody. <laughs> and in college, all those people were on your side, your teammates, the media, the fans. And I think ultimately he learned that lesson, but that's just maturity. And now he realizes, like, you know, it's easier to make enemies than it is to make friends. Well, and, so. to your, <laughs> and to your point, Rod, he's only six years in, and he's still got a lot of football in him. A lot of football. So, you His know, quarterback's playing a 40. Because <laughs> a lot of guys don't come back from that. They don't grow up. Uh, they don't figure it out. Uh, so good for Baker. It does, does look like he does. That'll be a fun game. Uh, yeah, is Baker even 30? Is he even 30? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably right out. I'll look at it. Right at it. Right? We'll come back. We'll go bullish or BS. Good conversations this morning. Hook him up with Ian Rod B. We'll also reset those headlines. Longhorns not done in the transfer portal. We'll get you the very latest. Coming back. Hook him up with Ian Rod B. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn.
Oh, man, it's time for Bullish or BS on Huggle Up with Ian Rod B. Uh, Rod looked it up in the break. Baker Mayfield, 28 years old. 28. Still a lot of football left in that yeah. young guy. He'll face Jared Goff this weekend, part of divisional playoff weekend. First game of the weekend is Houston at Baltimore. And it's going to be the night game with San Francisco. Both teams off the bye will play Saturday. San Francisco will host Green Bay. Then Sunday, Packers, Buccaneers, and then uh, – Probably it will be billed as the game of the week. It might be the Chiefs and Bill, Chiefs and uh, Bills from Buffalo. Uh, Chiefs and Underdog for the first time in the playoffs on the That's Patrick Mahomes' first road game, right, in the yeah. playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Bullet, we'll get into those games as the week goes on and look forward to drilling in down on them and really getting to the uh, nuts and bolts of those you know, four matchups that will determine championship Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, Rod, Bullish or BS, Caleb Williams, uh, USC, finally waited till the very last day to declare for the draft. Yesterday was the 15th. That was the last day to do so. He has declared. Uh, there was some talk in his camp that they were trying to play hardball, that he wanted assurances, his camp wanted assurances from the Bears that they were not going to take him. Um, but they're not going to give you that in January. No. That would be dumb. Uh, so he waited till the last day. Are you still bullish or maybe calling a little bit BS on Caleb Williams as the 1-1, one, one, the, the first quarterback off the board in this draft in April? No, he'll be the first quarterback off the board. Yeah. it's And I, I'm, I'm with that. I, I love his – uh, improvisational skills. Uh, I mean, he's great. Whether the Bears, whether that's the right organization for him to uh, <laughs> achieve, right? As a as a young quarterback, I don't know because they've had a bad track record with quarterbacks. And have they hired an OC yet? I'm not sure. Yes, they uh, did. Hold they, on. They hired an OC. Okay. Well, they 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 interviewed Greg Roman, who had been in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. Uh, for some, that would not well. be a good system for Caleb Williams. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's where that leads you to believe maybe they're going to keep Justin Fields. If they pass on drafting a quarterback with that number one, I guess they still could draft one with the what they got the tenth pick too. Tenth pick. I guess they could pass on number one and just draft a quarterback with a tenth pick. Um, I think that would be a, a dang coaching mistake. Well, let me let me ask you this: a miscalculation. Because Mel Kiper Jr., draft expert. Hey, by the way, Ty, are you bullish or BS on uh, on Caleb Williams as the one one? Uh, no, I don't think the Bears no. will take him. You don't I think well, they'll. I, well, he, I mean, if they is trade the quarterback pick, in this draft is the question. Yes, yeah. if they trade okay. the pick, then yes, but I don't. I don't think the Bears will end up. Well, here it is. Him. Mel Kiper wow. Jr., draft expert, claims that uh, he believes that the the uh, Bears could receive a first round draft pick for Justin Fields. Uh, from who? And maybe even the eighth pick overall from the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, with the Fal. Oh, would the Falcons do that? Would the, the Falcons no- give up eight, eight or draft their own? I mean, would you take a quarterback who's got years of experience and has shown flashes, maybe with the right offense and the right coach? Uh, can you get a better quarterback than Justin Fields with the eighth pick becomes That's the question. A good point. I guess you do have a sample size. They should know what you're working with. It's still uh, relative, you know, uncertainty whether the, those young quarterbacks coming out, even though they got help side, whether they'll work out and be Well, think about that, though, for the Bears. If you were able to pull that, you would have one, eight, and ten. Talk about rebuild your franchise. Yeah. Oh, man, I would trade Justin Fields. I don't know if you get that much. I don't think you get that much. That's according to Mel Kuyper, junior draft expert. Man, is Bill O'Brien the GM of the Falcons? Like, <laughs> Mel Kuyper is... believes Bears could get a first-round pick in return for Justin Fields. And they've also been I don't talking. see that. How about Justin Fields to Atlanta? Because that's where he's from, of course. Started his career at Georgia before transferring to Ohio State. He hasn't been that great with the Bears. Where they see, where, where's the potential for the eighth pick overall? I, I think it. I think I'm that first round pick overall. Period. I was thinking second, uh, combined with a second and a third, something like that. Yeah, that the, there was a report. Because uh, then I got to pay him. 
Yeah, you got to pay him. You got to pay him. Yeah. He's got a contract coming up. What the hell are you talking about? Eighth? So, I'm going to get the eighth pick and then I got to pay him after that? Yeah. A guy who ain't even proven himself? Man, Mel Kiper, what are you smoking? Yeah. What are you smoking, Mel Kiper? You ain't going to be my GM. Now, now, I will say this. I don't think Mel Kiper said the Falcons. He said they could get a first-round draft pick for him. Mm. It was, there were some other uh, reports okay. that Atlanta, that Atlanta willing, might be the team because it fits. Willing to give up the, it fits. They need a quarterback. They need I a quarterback. got you. I got you. And there okay. won't be a quarterback at eight that's as good as him. All right. Well, first round, I could see. Maybe in the late in the first round, somebody sees him as Darren Lamar Jackson. All right, late in the first round. I mean, I'd re- much rather have him over J.J. McCarthy or Bo Nix or maybe even Michael Penix at this point. Yeah. I'll take him over Bo Nix. I'll take Michael Penix, though. But I'll take him over Bo Nix. You're right. Only concern with Penix is the injury history. But at the same true. time, man, he can really throw the ball. I would say this, too. Uh, Bullish should BS Rod. There are seven coaching vacancies in the NFL right now. There, should, there could be nine. Bullish should BS. The Cowboys should move on from Mike McCarthy. The Eagles should move on from Nick Sirianni. Um, damn. You can agree with parts of that BS. I, I'm going to say Bullish on – both right now. Ooh. Yeah. Ty, you bullish on both? I'm bullish on both. Uh, at this point, I, I think McCarthy has a better shot at keeping his job than Sirianni does. I think Sirianni is done after last night. As we said earlier, if you're just jumping in, the Cowboys players, at least to a player yesterday, were in full support of Mike McCarthy. I don't know that you would get the same in Philadelphia from the players today from the Eagles about fair. Nick Sirianni. He lost the locker room. McCarthy, you get fired for two reasons, losing the locker room and losing the games. Sirianni lost the locker room. Mike McCarthy is losing big games. So, I mean, I think they're both fireable offenses if you're in the in your situation where the Cowboys are, where you had more all-pros than any team in the league and you're playing at home, at home, against the youngest team in the conference. And a first-time playoff quarterback. First-time playoff quarterback. And I would also add to that. Come that, on, man. That on three occasions this year, they had these huge games that we all called huge games. Big games. 49ers, Bills and Buffalo. This game was a playoff game. And each time, not only did they come, did they lose, they got dominated. They came up super small. And, honestly, Dan Quinn's defenses came up short. And hey, I love Dan Quinn's defense. They beat the Eagles. They, they beat either. Detroit. They, they, had, they won a few big games, but against the biggest games, you're right. No, they did not show up. Right, the biggest. And let's go with the biggest because yeah. the Philadelphia game, that was as their, their dissolving was happening uh, or beginning, the spiral. Uh, you can look Rams back on that now. Rams before they got hot. And the Rams before they were, before you know, they got hot. They were terrible to start the year. But, yeah, I mean, look, I'm talking about the games where we talked about all week, man. This is a real big game. This is a real big game. Buffalo. This is a real big game. That was a big one. At Buffalo, coming off the Philadelphia win. Did you follow it up? The that Niners in, in San Francisco. Talked it up like it was a postseason game. Yeah, and they even talked. The players did. Yeah. And came up just terrible, terrible. That's concerning for, Good. for Mike McCarthy. Yep. And you're right, the defense wasn't good. They weren't ready to play. No, they weren't. They weren't ready to play. All right, talk about what the Ian Rod B rolls on.